This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. If you're interested in a deep dive on January 6th, you're going to want to go back and re-listen to the 6 a.m. hour because I spent most of the hour uh, going through the, the legal issues involved in this whole January 6th fiasco garbage attempt by the Democrats to destroy our country. Got a message from Les in Three Forks. Les says... I did think the VP did have more than administrative role because I believe if I am wrong, then okay. But originally, the VP was the one who lost the vote in the election for that president. Elections from the beginning, the loser became VP, although that later changed. So the VP would not really be loyal to the president. So if that person, that VP, saw something wrong, it might have been meant as the last line to stop a miscarriage of a wrongful election. Just my opinion. So I see the reasoning. Sorry, this probably is not coming out clear. No, it makes perfect sense, Les. I know exactly what you're talking about, Les. Yeah, originally, originally the Constitution said... You're going to have two people run for president. You know, one of them is going to win. They'll be president. The loser then becomes vice president. We obviously changed that because then you would have you would have a president from one party and the you know vice president from the other party, and they vehemently disagree, and they're going to just fight each other, and it wasn't going to uh, be do well. But um, the, you know, the Electoral Count Act wasn't actually passed until 1877, although. The Constitution itself does set forth uh, the fact that the vice president is to preside over a joint session of Congress and open and count the electoral votes, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, why have the it raises the question, why have the vice president presiding over a joint session of Congress to open and count the votes? If all they're doing is is just robotically and administratively counting votes, and they they can't do any analysis, they can't do anything else. They're 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 basically mandated and forced in a straitjacket. They can't do anything. They're forced to just show up and do one. Is that why we have a vice president presiding over a joint session of Congress just to perform sort of like secretarial administrative duties? If that was the case, why have the vice president uh, preside over a joint session of Congress to open these votes and count the votes? You just have. You just have a you know staff member do it. You know have a have the secretary or you know have anybody just do it. There's a reason you can have you have a joint session of Congress presided over by the vice president. And of course, the Democrats have many many times lodged objections to electoral votes during uh, the January sixth uh, type of. And I'm not sure if it's on January sixth every single election cycle, uh, but early January obviously Democrats have objected to <clears throat> electors. All the time. They've done it a whole bunch. The hilarious thing, too, is that Democrats have also um, pushed alternate slates of electors. They've pushed faithless electors. Of course, faithless electors are electors who uh, go uh, to um, vote in the Electoral College, um, and then they disobey what their state did. So if a state, say a state voted for Trump, and the elector goes and votes for Biden, that's a faithless elector. Uh, alternate electors are just different electors that you would say Democrats have done that time and time and time again. So if if that was a, if that was an uh, insurrection, then then there's a lot of Democrats out there that have engaged in an insurrection as well.
military matters. I spent the last few days at the Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas. That is where I recovered from the injuries that I sustained in Ukraine. But what many of the doctors here were talking about was whether they are fully prepared if there was a mass scale event such as we've seen in Israel here in the U.S. Here's what Dr. Tim Nunes, the chief of trauma and surgical care at Brook Army Medical Center, told me. We have a lot of experience from our 20 years of war between Iraq, Afghanistan, where we've been. We've learned a lot of lessons of what is happening when you see the injured on the ground in Israeli right now. So we've got that institutional memory. Dr. Evan Renz, the deputy commander of quality and safety, also spoke to me and talked about how they were shifting over to focusing on civilians rather than military matters. When there is no active combat operation, we transition to the civilian population and then what keeps our readiness up and then we deploy and go into theater and it's just a constant cycle. But as the world is watching Israel, some people are concerned that perhaps the level of readiness inside military medicine isn't where it used to for Military Matters, Benjamin Hall, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. With lots of sunshine across the area for today, we're looking at high temperature readings ranging from about 40 in the Bozeman area to the mid-40s in Billings. For tonight, skies stay clear to partly cloudy. Low temperatures stay back in the mid-20s. The outlook for Saturday does call for partly to mostly sunny skies. Highs stay in the lower to middle 40s around the area. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Serving the great state of Montana. From the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. It's David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint. Noble with the K. I'm an attorney here in Billings. You can find me online at LectureFan, L-C-T-R-F-A-N. Let's go to Ed in Laurel. Ed, thanks so much for calling. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually from uh, Kentucky, but uh, I'm visiting here. Um, you were talking about uh, having the, the porn that you had to prove you're 18. Well, my grandson got into it, and uh, I said, son, how did you do that? Because granddad, all you have to do is uh, look for free porn, and he said it'll last you for 18 years old, and you just push it. And you can get on the site, so it's not regulated, and, it's, and young kids can get, get get into it. That's right. That's what this new that's what this new this new law that's going into effect on January one is designed to address. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was already on, and I'm just saying this is already didn't get on that kind of stuff. So I I maybe I misunderstood what you're saying, and I apologize. No, that's that's okay. No, there's a new law. The whole this whole thing, Ed, is about the legislature passed a new law, SB 544, um, Senate Bill 544, sponsored by Senator Willis Curdy, goes into effect on January 1st, 2024, and it requires websites uh, to verify age using a government-issued ID or any commercially reasonable method. So this is designed to put an end to what you're talking about, to where you just say, oh, yeah, I'm 18, click and click through. No, 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 no. This is this is a completely different change. This is a totally different change to where no longer that's going to happen in Montana. And so then, in reaction to that, the, these, these rape websites and sex trafficking websites like Pornhub, uh, which... That's what they show on these websites is rapes and, and sex trafficking and sex slavery. That's what's that's what's being shown on, on these websites. It's disgusting and repulsive, and no kid should should be, should be have to suffer uh, and, and be damaged by viewing that. Um, 
And yeah, it is the parents' responsibility. But the idea that you know, oh, it's just oh, uh, it's it's the fault of the parents if their if their kids you know were to try to get through one of the one of the, to those websites is ridiculous. Given where we stand in uh, the world today, in terms of you know, kids are seeing this stuff younger and younger because you've got all kinds of you've got you've got literally like second and third graders uh, in Montana with full-blown iPhones, unrestricted access to the internet. They've got tablets, they've got computers, they've got gaming consoles, they've got all these different things. And a lot of kids that are seeing this stuff are not seeing it on their own devices at home. They're seeing it on their friends' devices at school. And so, yeah, you may have parental controls and you may have all of these uh, firewalls and whatever, whatever you might have, but the kids at school don't, and they've got their little iPhones with them in first, second, third grade. Um, you've got... I mean, this is crazy. There are preschoolers in Montana that are addicted to screens already. You've got two and three year olds that are addicted to screens. I mean, this stuff, this is, I personally, I think this is one of the major problems in our society. I mean, these are destroying people, these kids' lives. These kids are not going to be able to have a normal relationship. We've got study after study after study after study talking about it. I, um, I uh, even went through. Um, that there's a big Atlantic story that came out yesterday about a new study about how the screen time and these smartphones are literally making kids dumb. The, 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 everybody wants to blame this massive drop in test scores on COVID, the reaction to COVID, and the, the absurd overreaction to COVID. The reality is, is that our educational results and our testing results have been dropping off a cliff since 2012. And 2012 is when these smartphones and these screens and everything became available. So this is not some just pandemic. This is this is very very damaging to our society. And so uh, the, you know I, I have no problem whatsoever with forcing these disgusting websites to to actually do something to make sure that their users are over 18. Got a message from Winday in Bozeman. She says porn sites are created to hack slash steal identities. Um, yeah, I think that's there's a lot of truth um, to that one um, as well. Got a, another message here um, about going back to the January 6th issue from Stephen Anaconda. He says, David, I spoke to you on air about Article 14, Section 5. Please explain what the legal definition of insurrection is. I believe when Article 14 was written, the reference had to do with taking up arms. If that is so, can they just change the intended meaning now to something else? Also, have any laws been passed in regard to Section 5 since the Civil War or test court case? Um, no, no, and no, uh, Steve. But the, the, the directly answer your question about the definition, that was one of the main issues in the Colorado Supreme Court case. And if you actually read the Colorado Supreme Court case, of course, you open that PDF and it's like 260 pages. But there's really only you know 10 pages or whatever in the, in the majority opinion about the definition of an insurrection. And they literally say, we're not defining it. It's a spectrum. An insurrection is somewhere in between somewhere in between a riot and a rebellion. And they talk about how all these different ideas and definitions, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is, is I don't, you know, you can go look at the dictionary definition of insurrection, which the Colorado Supreme Court did. I don't think that's the appropriate way to analyze this under uh, originalism and what the Supreme Court has told us is the correct way to interpret constitutional provisions. So based on that, my definition of an insurrection is the, the American Civil what, – what the, what the Confederacy did in the American Civil War, period. That's what it means. An insurrection or rebellion refers to the, what, what the Confederacy did during the American Civil War. So that's the definition. And so anything that you want to apply 
So this has to be on that level. Um, and so can, can they just change the definition now? Well, Democrats do that and try to do that all the time. We got to shut them down in court. Um, what was the other question here? Has any laws been passed? No, Congress has not implemented this provision and it's never been applied which is another legal argument. The whole thing is a joke. It's not going to succeed. I'm very, very confident that Trump will be on every single ballot in the end, at the end of the day. Everything was going all right, but I was running out of time. Saving you money, I'm Hillary Barsky. The old adage, cash is king, no longer seems to ring true as phones take on more of the work of wallets and people rethink how much they still need to carry in cash. Four in ten Americans say none of their purchases in a typical week are paid for using cash, according to a survey from the Pew Research Center. Still, those who do carry cash, on average, it's about 67 bucks as of 2021. And if you still like to carry cash, how much should you keep even for emergencies? The Wall Street Journal spoke to financial advisors, executives, and security experts for advice on the best approach. One advisor recommends $30 just to cover small transactions, while many add that paying in cash might help curb overspending, since the emotional impact of spending with bills is greater than paying with a phone or credit card. And if you want to forego cash altogether, financial advisors say you should leave home with no more than two or three credit cards. Saving you money, Hillary Barsky, Hey, if you've been taking some time off during the holidays and you need to catch up on your Montana Talks talk radio, all of the audio, all four hours every day, MontanaTalks.com. This is where Montana Talks Ag with Lane Nordland. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has sparked some backlash from local farmers and ranchers in Nebraska. After they purchased 370,000 acres of prime ranch land in the state, the Utah-based religious organization now owns at least $2 billion worth of agricultural terrain across the country. It now owns an estimated $134 million worth of agricultural land in Nebraska alone and is on track to surpass CNN founder Ted Turner as the single largest landowner in the country. Nebraska Farmers Union President John Hansen told news outlets that the land grab, as he called it, was artificially driving up land prices and forcing farmers out of business. He says it's not fair competition when folks bring in that much outside money and bid against local farmers and ranchers. The church is likely the largest landowner in Florida after buying almost 383,000 acres of timberland recently as well. In other news, the Montana Wheat and Barley Committee has chose to fund 27 applications for the 2024 research cycle, awarding over $2.2 million, a 33% increase over last year. To date, the Wheat and Barley Committee has funded over $37.7 million in research since its inception in 1967 to enhance the future of Montana's grain industry. I'm Lee North Blonde. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana. Statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Open phones for whatever you want to talk about, 406-294-0970, 406-294-0970. Interestingly, so we've got this new Montana law that's 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 triggered uh, this disgusting website to, to no longer be available from Montana, which 
I'm fine with. I'm I'm good with it. Uh, there was a story that I had actually pr- prepared to talk about before this news came out yesterday about uh, this disgusting website and Mo- not being accessible in Montana anymore because they don't want to they don't want to make sure that their users are 18. Uh, this is from Fox News. GOP lawmaker introduces bill requiring age verification technology for porn sites, and it says. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, reintroduced a bill that would require all porn websites to adopt age verification technology to ensure children are not being exposed to explicit content online. Uh, Lee said in a statement, quote, every day we're learning more about the negative psychological effects pornography has on minors. Given the alarming rate of teenage exposure to pornography, I believe the government must act quickly to enact protections that have a real chance of surviving First Amendment scrutiny. We require age verification at brick-and-mortar shops. Why shouldn't we require it online? Um, frankly, I, I think a complete ban on pornography would survive First Amendment scrutiny, considering we've always had obscenity laws since the founding. Our founding fathers fully fully recognized the, the, the legitimate interest the government has in protecting the morality of the people and in making sure that these obscenities and these disgusting videos and this, the, these rapes and sex trafficking and all the stuff that's associated with this industry doesn't occur. Uh, but apparently uh, there may be some people that disagree with that, at least according to uh, Senator Lee, but, but certainly simply requiring the websites to verify the age of its user Certainly, that is not, um, you know, that that is not something uh, that that is some horrible, horrible uh, thing. Representative Rosendale put out uh, the Rosendale Review Day Three. We have been going through uh, Representative Rosendale's year in review. This is the third one. Um, he says, uh, President Eisenhower once said. Farming looks mighty easy when your plow is a pencil and you're a thousand miles from the cornfield. Montana's farmers and ranchers are the backbone of our state, work tirelessly each day to put food on our tables. That's why I will always stand up to the bureaucrats in Washington and fight for you. Holding members of Congress accountable is critical to preserving our nation and is vital restoring public confidence in our institution. Members of Congress are elected to be public servants, not profiteers. Uh, so... Oh my goodness! This is such a bit horrible issue. You see these you see these people that go to D.C. and they end up becoming uh, you know millionaires off of a hundred and seventy four thousand dollars salary. And you have to ask yourself, what on earth is going on here? And you see all these news stories about these Democrat politicians making stock trades <laughs> involving <clears throat> companies that they actually oversee and regulate and not just the actual politicians either there was a major wall street journal report earlier this year about how the regulators and the bureaucrats in dc are trading stocks uh, of the companies that they oversee and so we've got a whole bunch of regulatory agencies in dc a whole bunch of administrative agencies that have a lot of power and these these are unelected bureaucrats uh, this is the fourth branch of government the unconstitutional fourth branch of government whether it's the ftc or fvc or all these different alphabet agencies and all these different groups the sec you name it they all have these bureaucrats that that have immense power and they have immense power over publicly traded companies and what the wall street journal had reported was that those bureaucrats that are making decisions on these administrative uh, cases that come before them involving publicly traded companies, they're out there trading stocks. 
of those very companies. Um, it's it's so dirty, it's so corrupt. Uh, but that's what's that, that's why you know you, they they say the the richest part of America is in D.C. and and the four or five counties that surround D.C. If you want to get rich, if you want to be wealthy, your bet your best bet go to D.C. Go go to the counties surrounding D.C. That's where you can get rich off of the backs of your fellow citizens while doing nothing good and being corrupt and fraud fraudulent. So uh, that's not something I'm interested in, frankly. Um, how do you, how did how do these people sleep at night? How do these people look themselves in the mirror, knowing that they got rich by ripping off the American people? Really, really disgusting. Jack Smith, this special prosecutor, has made one of the most ridiculous requests yet, and he's made a ton of ridiculous requests. It was so good to see Jack Smith get slapped down, viciously slapped down by the. U.S. Supreme Court telling him, no, we're not going to expedite your appeal here. You waited three years. You waited three years to charge Donald Trump just so that you could try to have a trial during the 2024 election. And now you're asking us to speed this along so that you can can have your little trial on your timeline. No, sorry. And, And Alan Dershowitz has always pointed out the right to a speedy trial That's a right that belongs to the defendant. That's not a right that belongs to the government. The government has no interest in a speedy trial. If a criminal defendant waives speedy trial, the government doesn't get to say, we're going to force a speedy trial. Not how it works, Jack Smith. I'm Therese Crowley. Donald Trump is removed from the main GOP primary ballot by a Democrat secretary of state citing the Capitol riot report and her belief that Trump committed insurrection. Trump's legal team calls the ruling atrocious, promises a quick appeal. Even GOP challenger Ron DeSantis tells Fox. You have a Republican secretary of state uh, disqualify Biden from the ballot because he's let in eight million people illegally, a massive invasion, including uh, from enemies of our country. DeSantis says Maine's move opens up Pandora's box. Well, not many details coming out of the Mexico City talks on curbing the migrant surge, but word that the U.S. and Mexico discussed amnesty for illegal migrants who've been in the U.S. for years. The talks pick up in Washington again next month. America is listening to Fox News. This lawfare from the Democrats is just getting completely out of control. Good for DeSantis. Good for DeSantis for raising the issue of, of taking Biden off the ballot. Is this really is this really the, the country the Democrats want to want to send us to is a, a country where we just take people off the ballots if we if we have a belief that they did something wrong? I mean, that's crazy that the main the, the secretary of state from Maine admitted Oh, yeah, no, I just I just want to remove Trump because I believe it was an insurrection. Well, we don't care what you believe. You're a partisan hack Democrat. The worst thing about the whole thing, that Maine secretary of state used to be a voting rights activist at the ACLU. And I, I can tell you, the ACLU voting rights project or the, the ACLU whatever voting rights people, it's a complete joke. It's a Democrat hack operation. All they're there to do is to try to tear down our election security laws and voter ID. The ACLU is one of the people that's the ACLU of Montana sued Montana to get rid of not only get rid of our voter ID laws, but also to try to force us into allowing ballot harvesting. 
the the people of people forget about this. The people of Montana voted on their ballot for something called BEPA, the Ballot Interference Protection Act. This was back four or five years ago. Passed overwhelmingly, and that basically said, you know, no, you can't do ballot harvesting in Montana. No, ballot harvesting is obviously illegal. That's obviously wrong. It's not allowed. The ACLU sued, got that overturned, and the courts in Montana said, nope, we have to allow ballot harvesting. To, to prohibit ballot harvesting uh, is racist. That's what the ACLU argued and the courts agreed. So it's, 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 it's ridiculous, but that's what's going on. Um, and they make these other ridiculous arguments. So in Montana, under, under our court rulings right now, ballot harvesting is totally legal here, completely legal. Um, you know, not, a, not a thing uh, about it that, that's, that's illegal in Montana. Uh, let's go to Bill in Billings. Bill, thanks for calling. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I'm just uh, listening to a lot of different stuff and... Uh, my subject is kind of putting lipstick on a pig. You know, uh, when 90% or more of the American people look at the films of January 6th and they see people busting down the windows and doors of the Capitol and swarming all over it. And getting waved almost, in, and getting, and getting waved in yeah, by the cops and allowed in. Well, they never see that. Nobody right. will ever see that. Right. But... Ninety-nine percent of the country says this is horrible. It should not happen in our country. Well, yeah. And they tie the MAGA movement to it. And right. I don't know how we get that off our backs, but we it's on our backs. We can't take it back. We can't undo it. And I think it's going to cost us enormously. In well, everybody. Elections. Bill, can you hang with us through the break? I've got it. I'm, I'm hearing the music. We've got it. We've got a commercial break, Bill. If you hang with me, I got a, some comments on on what you said. Primarily, which is, I want to hear your response to this, Bill. But I'm pretty sure almost all the Republicans have come out and said, "Yeah, the people that engaged in violence were wrong." This is the Montana Economic Minute. Here's another point to consider in the ongoing debate over whether or not the American healthcare system performs as well as those in other developed countries, and that is the impact of education on health. People with college degrees live longer. Yale University started studying a group of randomly selected people 30 years ago and tracked them over time. In all, 13.5% of those with a high school diploma or less had died, compared to only 5% with a college degree. Are these colleges dispensing water from the fountain of youth? Clearly not. But there's something about the kind of lives these college degree people are living that gives them better health outcomes. Preventative care, attitudes towards risk, health and fitness. The healthcare system doesn't provide these things. They're actions by the people themselves. How well healthcare performs depends on the kind of patients that use it. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. We're talking to Bill and Billings. Uh, Bill, uh, thanks for hanging with us through that break. My, my comment to what you were saying, basically, about the Americans seeing uh, these, you know, highly edited fraudulent tapes of January 6th that the January 6th committee released showing people engaged in violence and, and property destruction 
Every Republican, and I know every candidate that I know, has always come out and said, no, we, we denounce violence, we denounce illegal activity. That's totally wrong. The only argument we've been saying is, number one, Trump's not responsible for what some rioter did after Trump told him to be peaceful. And and number two, this wasn't an insurrection. And yeah, it was, it was bad. And it was also, more importantly, this is nothing compared to what BLM and Antifa did. Um, so, so I don't necessarily think... That, that Americans seeing those, those edited, you know, fraudulent videos is going to somehow be some huge albatross around our neck. I don't think the American, I think the American people are more concerned about the border, immigration, the economy, inflation, all these other types of things. So, so I guess, what are your thoughts on that, Bill? Well, I think you're kind of overanalyzing it. The average voter does not analyze anything. They look at one little news clip or hear one little one-liner on the evening news, and they say, yep. And when they look at that one little news clip of somebody busting a door down or hitting a cop on January 6th, they say, you know, those MAGA people are horrible. I won't have anything to do with them. So we lose the independent voters. Uh that most voters don't look into it one-tenth as much as we're looking into what happened on January So, I mean, 6th. so if voters, if voters are dumb and ignorant, as, as you're saying, then, then yep. what's, the, what's the solution? So, clearly the solution is not, you know, anything related to January 6th or anything. We, we have deeper problems. You're basically saying voters are dumb and ignorant, and so we're going to lose. So, I mean, yep. what does that have to do with January 6th? Well, somehow we've got to get January 6th off our back. And I'm and, not and sure what do you exactly say? what the answer is. Okay, so uh, you're basically just as, kind of predicting doom and gloom, and you don't have a solution. You're just saying this is going to destroy us, and, and there's no way to fix this, and voters are dumb and ignorant. We're all going down, essentially? Well, a lot, you know, half the country is that way, dumb and ignorant. Uh, and they're easily led. And January 6th is just what the liberals, the liberals' response to uh, conservatives saying, oh, yeah, that was terrible. Their response is, then why did you do it? They blame us. The media blames us. And we got to change that somehow. And the only way, if you took, uh, say, Nikki Haley, and they had her in a debate, and they said, what do you think about January 6th? She, all she'd have to say is peaceful transitions, the most important thing in the world, and I totally detest January 6th. It'd be off her back just like that. I thought you just said that there was no way to get this off our back. Well, that's the way to do it for her. And uh, for that matter, DeSantis could do it that way. Why couldn't, but, uh, why couldn't Trump do it that way? Because the media won't let him. But you think the media would allow DeSantis to get away with it? Well, he, he'd certainly uh, be able to make that statement and uh, have quite a bit of credibility. Interesting. Okay. Well, I appreciate the phone call, Bill. Anything else? No, just uh, enjoying the day. Happy New Year to you and everyone else. <laughs> Happy New Year, Bill. Pre- appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's something about your, the mindset I disagree with. I, I guess I can't really put my finger on it exactly there bill but there's just something about 
that analysis that you've offered and that mindset that you've offered that I disagree with. I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to it that there's a lot of American voters that are uninformed and ignorant and dumb or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, that's obviously, but, but, but that's why, that's why it's so important to, to be informed. Like we all are that, you know, I am and everybody listening to the show right now is, is obviously way more informed than your average American. And that's why it's so important for us to, to, to all stay informed, to stay involved, to talk to our friends and family, to talk to our neighbors, to talk to our colleagues and acquaintances and, and do everything we can in, in, within our own power to try to, to try to get the other voters informed about the truth and everything else like that. And I don't know. I don't see the benefit, I guess. That's the other thing. I don't really see the benefit in sort of just just predicting doom and gloom uh, without without really having something positive to say or a proposal to fix it or something to, to plan better. I mean, it's it's really easy to say. And this is one of my pet peeves, frankly, and you see this a lot on the right where it's just we're all screwed. Uh, we're collapsing. It's going down. There's nothing we can do. It's it's not worth it to vote. All the elections are rigged. It's all so corrupt. Uh, this is a blah 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 blah. And it's like, you know, okay, you know, real easy to be to 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 just predict doom and gloom. You know, a lot more difficult um, to actually have something constructive to say about it and um, something positive or a, a plan or some strategy or something like that. These Democrats are completely out of control. Uh, and Jack Smith, uh, just just two days ago, um, asked a federal court in Washington, D.C. to prohibit Trump uh, from basically, quote unquote, injecting into the case partisan political attacks. I couldn't believe it when I saw this. So Jack Smith is actually asking for another gag order against Trump uh, for the trial and asking uh, the court. Uh, to prevent Trump from, quote-unquote, injecting partisan political attacks and irrelevant and prejudicial issues that have no place in a jury trial. Uh, Jack Smith goes on, quote, although the court can recognize these efforts for what they are and disregard them, the jury, if subjected to them, may not. Uh, Jack Smith goes on, quote, the court should not permit Trump to turn the courtroom into a forum in which he propagates irrelevant disinformation and should reject his attempt to inject politics into this proceeding. How absurd. Jack Smith is asking the court to order Trump to not inject politics into this? The whole thing is political. Jack Smith is political. Jack Smith is a partisan political hack doing the bidding uh, of Joe Biden and the, the radical leftists that control Joe Biden. It's just, it's just absurd on its face. It's laughable. It's so preposterous. I don't even know how to take this seriously. Jack Smith suggesting that it's Trump that's doing stuff political? No, Jack Smith, you're the political one. Um, he says, uh, he, Jack Smith goes on, to ensure that the jury remains focused on its fact-finding duty and applies the law as instructed by the court, Trump's improper evidence and argument should be excluded. I mean, it's just absurd. Um, And so here's the other problem with this. So Jack Smith wants the judge to order Trump to say, Trump, you can't you can't talk about politics during this trial. The whole thing's political. But set that aside for a second. So so now now the judge has to then make a decision about whether something is political or not. How is a judge trying this stupid case in D.C. about Trump trying to overthrow the election or overthrow the government? Th- that's just a, the, at, at base here what the Democrats have said and are doing is saying 
if you challenge the the results of an election, that's the same thing as a, as a civil war or violently overthrowing the government, which is just so absurd on its face and preposterous on its face. But that's what the I mean, that's what the, the Washington, D.C. federal case against Trump is all about. It's basically saying, hey, Trump challenged the election results and therefore, you know, he should be thrown in prison, which is absurd. Right. But that's that's the theory that, hey, Trump tried to challenge these results. Um, and therefore, you know, that that's that was a, you know, a conspiracy to defraud the United States and all these other just absurd, absurd federal uh, criminal prosecutions against Trump. They're all stupid things like conspiracy to make a false statement, uh, conspiracy to defraud the United States. Just complete meaningless garbage that doesn't apply to the situation. But that's what the Democrats are pushing. That's what the Democrats are out there sending. And then for Jack Smith to, to actually ask the judge. To say that Trump can't make political statements at this trial when the thing is completely 100 percent political coming directly from Joe Biden against Joe Biden's number one political opponent is absolutely preposterous. And they just keep going uh, with this whole thing. Um, and it's it's just absolutely absurd. They're saying so Jack Smith, Joe Biden and John Tester, a.k.a. Uh, uh, argued in the new filing that the court should prohibit Trump's claims of a vindictive prosecution a trial date that will interfere with his political activities. Um, and it's like, I, I look, I don't do criminal law, so I'm no criminal law expert. But I thought uh, vindictive prosecution or selective prosecution, I thought that was a, a legitimate defense to a criminal case. If it's not, it should be. I mean, if you've got if you've got Democrats that have challenged election after election after election after election and they challenge, they challenge, they challenge and nothing ever happens to them. And then Trump challenges an election, and now he's under federal criminal prosecution? Sounds to me like he should be able to argue, hold on, this is bogus, this is totally unfair and unconstitutional, because this is a selective prosecution. It's called equal protection. Hey, Democrats, ever heard of equal protection? Commentary. A proposal out of New York could force some Chick-fil-A's to open on Sundays. I'm Tommy Laren. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Chick-fil-A is one of America's top fast food restaurants, and for good reason, because it's that good. And while we wish we could get it seven days a week, the chain has a long-standing tradition of closing on Sundays since its opening in 1946. But if the New York State Assembly has its way, the restaurant could be forced to remain open on Sundays at all rest stops owned by the New York State Thruway Authority. Backers of this bill say that while they have no objection to a restaurant closing on Sundays, if that restaurant is a spot dedicated to servicing travelers, it's a disservice and inconvenience to shut down on day seven. If passed, this would apply to seven restaurants currently open and all future Chick-fil-A contracts. This feels like a pretty big government infringement to me. Why does it feel like Christian-leaning establishments always have the book thrown at them? A coincidence? I think not. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show Tommy Laren is fearless at outkit.com. 
Securing America. As Border Patrol sources tell Fox News, there have been more than 200,000 migrant encounters in the month of December. And as a migrant caravan of thousands travel through Mexico, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas made the trip south to Mexico City. Officials say the meeting with President Andres Obrador focused on the, quote, urgent need for lawful pathways and additional enforcement actions by partners throughout the region. Talks also include reopening ports of entry across the border. Back home, Republican members of Congress like Kentucky's Andy Barr on Varney and Co. aren't impressed. This administration refuses to follow the law and frankly refuses to protect the homeland. Senate Republicans and Democrats are currently trying to negotiate a deal on border security reforms in exchange for passing President Biden's emergency spending package, where over $13 billion would go towards border security. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. From the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios, trusted by the Northwest, Montana owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks. With Aaron Flint. Open phones if you want to be on the show, 406-294-0970, whatever you want to talk about. The New York Times yesterday published this huge report uh, detailing the disgusting, repulsive uh, sexual violence that Hamas committed on October 7th. Um, I'm not even comfortable reading some of these quotes, but uh, I, I would recommend checking it out. I mean, I, w- I refuse to watch videos uh, of October 7th. I refuse to watch videos online that go viral of people fighting, people getting shot. It's the weirdest thing. But if you go on Twitter, you go on X, you go on Instagram, and these videos will go viral, and they're just horribly violent videos. People fighting, people getting beat up, people getting stabbed, people getting shot. That's not good for your soul, folks. It's not good for you to see those videos. So I actually changed my settings um, on all of my social media apps to where videos do not play automatically. So when you're scrolling through your social media app, if your videos are playing automatically, my recommendation, turn that off so that the videos don't play, that you have to manually touch it. And so then when I'm scrolling and I see a video and it's like, oh, here's a video of a guy getting shot, getting killed. I'm not going to watch that. It's not good to watch videos of people getting killed. But it's, it's another thing that's harming our society and really damaging our society is you've got all of these horribly, horribly violent videos going viral on all these social media apps. And people just watch it and they, they just think, oh, it's fine. I'm going to, yeah, oh, here's an interesting video of somebody getting shot and killed. Let's watch that. Uh, that those are types of videos that are out there, which is another reason to to keep kids off of social media so they don't have to start damaging their mind and damaging their soul by seeing these types of things. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in watching any of these videos or anything, but a lot of journalists have the Israeli military has compiled videos and shown videos of October 7th, uh, two journalists and, and, and and New York times went to Israel and interviewed a bunch of people and survivors and military members and everything. They did a huge report um, and it is some of the most horrific, horrible, horrible things I've ever heard of in my life. These Hamas people and anybody that support, supports Hamas are evil, evil, evil. Uh, and anybody that reads what they actually did to women. And there was tar- it was targeted. These Hamas animals targeted women. And, and what people are saying in Israel is that there was a dual hatred from these scumbags. They hate Jews. And they hate women. And so they came into Israel 
and, and just did some of the most disgusting, horrific things. And so I, I have never felt more strongly that everybody in Hamas and anybody that supports them need to be completely wiped out, wiped off the face of the earth. Let's go to Randy in Livingston. Randy, thanks for calling. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I just wanted to throw something out there um, for thought, okay? Um, uh, our two-party system that we have right now, back when I was a lot younger, uh, we had this fellow named Ross Perot that showed up. I'm sure you remember him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Ross uh, ended up in 92 getting 19% of the popular vote when he ran and shook them up real good. And we used to, in our small town, we used to go to their little meetings. You know, it was fun. We were getting into the political system a little bit. And uh, then we saw the Republicans send in these young kids in suits to disturb the meetings and knock them up. And uh, then then about eight years later, when the Reform Party was a third option, you know, <clears throat> I know it wasn't much, but it, it was a start, a grassroots start. Pat Buchanan walks in because he was running. He didn't have any base at all and literally strong-armed the, the ladies that were in there to, and took over the whole conference. Well, after I saw that, my uh, thought of the Republican Party began going down. And over the years, I've really learned <clears throat> that if you want to get all this stuff cleaned up and get us back to uh, actually voting for a candidate, that we, we have the ability to choose, right, you know, via parties uh, through primaries the way it always had been, um, I think we need a third party in this country to keep both the Dems and the Republicans honest. And... Uh, it's happening here. I see it in Montana. Um, and I mentioned it on air one time. And I don't call in all the time. But I mentioned it on air, and the rebuttal was, uh, well, you know, you don't have the right to say that. Or you don't have, not that, but you don't have. Uh, hey, Randy, we're up against we're, we're up against the, the top of the hour news break here. Uh, Randy, if you'll hang with us, I'll come back to you uh, right after this break. This is David Noble in for Aaron Flint. Have you ever heard of the name Frank Whetstone? Apparently, this small-town Montana guy was a big part of creating the Reagan Revolution in the 1980s. Hey, Aaron Flint here with Montana Talks. We've got a very special Montana political history program coming up for you with Monday's Montana Talks. That's right, Monday, January 1st, 2024, New Year's Day. Very special program. Former State Senator John Brennan out of SCOBY and Summit Cigar Lounge proprietor Greg Franks for a special program Monday.